Welcome to Pixelated Audio Episode 2, Celebrating the World Cup with Soccer Games. Welcome back to Pixelated Audio. This is episode two, and we're going to be looking at a bunch of different soccer games to celebrate the 2014 World Cup. I'm Brian. And I'm James. Uh, The song bringing us in was the main theme from Sensible Soccer for Super Nintendo, which came out in 1992. So the World Cup is the inspiration for this show, and sadly it's over by the time you hear this episode. But we wanted to kind of pay tribute to the sport and uh, the fans Kind of the only way we know how uh, through video games and game music. Uh, so um, we're bringing you kind of this handful, this grab bag of different soccer titles that we picked across a bunch of different platforms. Some of you may have really good memories with some of these games and some you might not have even heard of or knew existed. Right. There's a lot of soccer games out there that we left off this list. If we were to choose every game, we'd, I mean, this episode would be... Hours long, it's it's so. definitely not like a comprehensive list by any means, but you know we we aren't really that huge of soccer fans either. As far you know, as far as like gaming, we're not big sports gamers anyway. But um, yeah, and like I said, we purposely left some out. And uh, to be honest, we we haven't played a lot of these soccer games before this episode, but uh, we had a lot of fun stacking this up. Yeah, and actually, I I actually have played um played a few of these, and I have some pretty good memories as a kid. But you know, it's I didn't play a whole lot, so right. Uh, weren't you saying you played a little sensible soccer as a kid? Uh, actually, I, I I'd heard about it, um, but I didn't actually play it until about high school with a friend. Uh, we were kind of digging through a bunch of old games. Um, this is around the time I started kind of collecting a lot of dis- different systems or games, kind of like I didn't have growing up as a kid that I always wanted to play. Right, that makes sense because I guess we were about nine years old or so when this game came right, out. Right. So. Yeah. So, but anyway, Sensible Soccer um, was a game that you know I'd heard about, I knew about, and it being this kind of legendary you know soccer game, and 
really popular in Europe and uh, arguably one of the best or most popular soccer games that was ever created. So we wanted to kind of see what it was all about. And, you know, me and my buddy at the time, we, we you know, we did kind of dabble with it, especially through mm-hmm. emulation at the time. So, Right. So let's get into the game a little bit. The game is developed by Sensible Software, uh, hence the name Sensible Soccer, um, which is a British company started in 1986, uh, writing games for the Commodore 64 and then the Amiga. Uh, they ended up getting bought by a company called Codemasters. And if you grew up in the 90s, you definitely have heard of Codemasters. They were pretty prevalent at the time. So Right. And unfortunately, by 1999, um, the company was defunct. But getting back to the music, the composer for the track we came in on was uh, Richard Joseph. Yeah. And Richard Joseph was known for his Commodore 64 and Amiga music, but he was still composing stuff for games until 2006. Um, he did uh, James Pond series, Cannon Fodder, Megalomania, and stuff all for the Amiga. But Sensible Soccer was originally released in 1992 for the Amiga, Atari ST, and I believe DOS, and then was later ported to the home consoles. The Super Nintendo and Genesis versions were based on Sensible Soccer 92-93, which when they were ported over, they ended up just kind of dropping the year, and it was just titled Sensible Soccer. It was probably because you know it was new to the system, and uh, they just thought, hey, let's just give it a title. Right, and that, that makes sense. But speaking of the Genesis version, uh, the composer for that album was also Richard Joseph, but it looks like it was arranged by Matt Furness. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, and even though the games are, are really similar, they have um, a very different sound to the music. You know, actually, um, I, have, I have both those tracks. You want me to play them right now? We can yeah, I think do that'd a be comparison. great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, without getting too much into detail on the hardware differences, I, let me break it down a little bit. Um, the Super Nintendo actually has this PCM synth-based uh, sound chip that you have eight different voices with, and you can play at the same time. And um, the sam- these samples are basically like uh, wave files. As long as they're in the, the, the frequency range, they can be played, whereas the Genesis has the YM2612, and that's an FM synthesis-based chip with six channels. And um, the waveform is changed kind of by modulating the frequency created. And that's wh- how you get that kind of Genesis metal yeah, grungy sound. the one that they're known for. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the first one we're going to hear is the, the track that we came in with. And uh, let me find it here. Which is the Super Nintendo. Sensible Soccer. Yeah. yeah. You can really hear the that that kind of trumpety Super Nintendo, yeah, very fanfare, that sound brassy. They're known for right, and um, no, it's it's a cool track. You got your you got your leg warmers on, James. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it fits the time period, right? Right, of course. Okay, um, and like let's uh, let's see. Here's the Switch Genesis, the Genesis version. Yeah. yeah. So here's Sensible Soccer, the same song again for the Genesis. Right away, you can hear that synth sound coming in. So yeah, it still has a really cool sound to it, but it, it definitely sounds very different from from one another. Yeah, no, I mean this sounds great. Like they both, you know, Genesis and Super Nintendo, they have their their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, let's go ahead and cut this off. They have their strengths and weaknesses, but they, uh, you know, some songs work better on the Genesis, and some stuff works better on the Super Nintendo. So um, no, like they both, you know, it's a great it's a great uh, track. And either way you listen to it, but right. we wanted to come in with that really bright fanfare from the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and we thought that comparison would be really interesting. We found it really cool. But uh, before we go any further, um, let's get into a little bit of the gameplay for Sensible Soccer. 
this game has a bird's eye view. Um, it's very zoomed out. The, the players are very small. Um, it fits into a portrait orientation where you have one goal at the top of the screen. And then the other and, one just yeah, yeah, it's a little further down. Uh, the players, uh, like I said, are, are really small, but it, it works well with the, the fast gameplay that this game has. And since you have more screen, you can make a lot of uh, more precise passing. You can make a lot more choices. You have a, a bigger field of view. And then um, you also had the ability to edit and save your teams, uh, which made it really fun to customize your game and play the kind of the way that you wanted to play. Yeah, that makes it really unique. Um, now, I had a lot of fun with this game. Um, it's so fast paced. and I can see why it became so popular in Europe for, you know, at that time. Actually, it's really cool. I actually found that there's still dedicated groups of people or, you know, different clubs mm-hmm. and stuff that play Sensible Soccer. One is SensibleSoccer.de and they're still playing games today in tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's, that's really awesome. That's aw- yeah, that's awesome that they can they can still, you know, this game is 20 some odd years old now yeah. and they're still, you know, maintaining. So. Yeah, I would definitely love to see what their matches look like. Oh, I bet it's insane. You know, it was released uh, again back in 2007 for XBLA, but I don't think there's anything... As of recently, I don't think there's any other way to kind of track it down at this yeah. point. So anyways, moving on to our next list, uh, James. Um, so next on our list is uh, Neo Geo Cup 98 Plus Color. The game was released in 1999 by SNK for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. Uh, it's loosely based on their game Neo Geo Cup 98, which um, is how they, they brought a lot of their titles to the Neo Geo Pocket Color. It makes sense. They, they debuted in the arcade, and so they thought, hey... Why not? You know, we're going to create a handheld. Why don't we bring over what's worked, making us money? And- right. People like to pump quarters into this game. Maybe they'd like to play it at home on their own. Yeah. So. Um, the, the composer for Neo Geo Cup 98 Plus Color was Taro Yonatani. In my research, I couldn't find a lot of games that he worked on. It looked like mostly Neo Geo Pocket Color games. Right. Um, the biggest one that I found was uh, King of Fighters R1. Which, oh, nice. Which was a really, really fun game on the Neo no, Geo Pocket really Color. No, it really good, and it plays well on the, the handheld, too, so... Right, and so for the Neo Geo Cup 98 Plus Color, we have four songs that we want to play for you guys. Um, the songs are all pretty short. None of them have track names. In, in my research, I couldn't find a lot of stuff. I don't think they kept a lot of good records yeah, it's on. Probably, there's probably nothing out there. They probably even internally had right. numbers. So, so uh, we have for you uh, background music 7, 8, 13, and 14. So let's uh, take a listen to those.
Once again, that was background music 7, 8, 13, and 14 for the Neo Geo Cup 98 Plus Color, uh, composed by Taro Yonatani. Yeah, just a super fun, bubbly kind of soundtrack. It's it's fun to listen to. I, I like it a lot. So Right, and the, the songs match the game a lot, the, the feel of that fun playing soccer and snk is kind of known for that i mean even in their bias you know as the game boots up you know you have this really kind of happy kind of you know hey kid come and play our game kind of thing and yeah and it, and it works great it works yeah um one of the the things that i thought was really impressive about this game in particular um was how detailed it was for a handheld uh the game had super expressive sprites and great movement yeah, and the Neo Geo actually had this really great sprite work, and it could do up to 146 colors at this on the screen at once, which is impressive for a handheld at the time. Even though the sprites could actually only do four colors each, so like when you have these these animation, when you have these sprites on the screen, mm-hmm. um, you they only get four colors to actually pick from. But even with that, it kind of masks that that kind of limitation mm-hmm. with their um, fluid animations. Right, and and the attention to detail for things like that. It, made the game really fresh and fun uh it's something i could see spending a lot more time playing definitely and really playing sports games with friends it's it's something that you can keep playing over and over and it was always really fun and you could play neo geo cup 98 plus color with a friend but unfortunately they had to have their own neo geo cup uh 98 copy plus they had to have a Uh, neo geo pocket color and an e- probably even harder to find cable that linked the two together oh geez yeah i remember like going to um it was software etc and i think our mall um had one and i looked all over i would like where where can i buy this thing where can i buy this thing and um i think it was funko land at the time that was mm-hmm. the big game company they were like oh yeah we're not carrying it so i had to track it down at a software etc and i go down there it's like a hundred bucks and um they only had like a handful of games i think at the time right. it was like metal slug and a few other things Pretty much like two weeks after it was released, it was already off shelves in the stores. So it was impossible to find any yeah. software for So it. I guess if you didn't know it was coming out and you weren't excited about it, then you probably didn't get it. You probably didn't. Yeah. I even tried going to some like mom and pop places and, you know, asking them, hey, do you guys have any Neo Geo Pocket Color games? And they're like, no, what's that? So, yeah. yeah so pretty much if you didn't get it when it came out uh, where I lived anyway, like mm-hmm. you're out of luck. It's really a shame that there's no, um, you know, Neo Geo Pocket Color titles on like a virtual console service. Right. That'd be super fun. A lot of those games, they play so great. Um, and they would be, I, I could see them selling really well, like people being excited to play Metal Slug and things like that on your 3DS or whatever. Yeah. And the 3DS, um, you know, has the, the joystick. So, and Neo Geo Pocket Color had that amazing kind of clicking joystick and they really would work well together. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of the SNK games, they hold up really well. They still look beautiful. Yeah, so speaking of games that hold up well, um, the one that didn't is next on our list, actually. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so this next title is actually a recommendation from a friend. And uh, the title is FIFA Soccer 97 Golden Edition, which is another game on the Super Nintendo. It's a multi-platform title published by EA Sports on June 24th of 1996. And the PlayStation had already been out for about a year at this point. The Nintendo 64 actually came out the day before this game launched. So it might have played a big role in how this game turned out. Yeah, and we see that a lot even nowadays um, where, you know, companies uh, want to release a game and, you know, the N64 is saying it's, you know, it's just coming out. But everybody already has a Super Nintendo in their home. So who is their biggest audience? Well, right now it's 
those were the Super Nintendos. Yeah, so. it's like you could get the game or you could buy the new system and get the better version of the game, but at least people can still make sales. And, you know, better is also, you know, up for debate yeah. too because, you know, it turned out differently on different systems. It's the fourth game in the FIFA series and it plays um, on an isometric playing field. So you have one goal in the bottom left corner and you have the opponent's goal in the top right corner. The composer for the game is Kev Bruce. And uh, he's a British composer, and he also did the music. He did the ports, actually, for Revolution X and Power Drive for Super Nintendo. And he did Doom for Sega Saturn, or at least the port of it. Uh, the music of the game is pretty good, though. Um, it's got this really cool rock and roll vibe. Um, I like the music a lot more than I enjoyed the game, actually. On our uh, tracks here, we have Game Options 2, Halftime, and uh, Playoff Championship. So uh, take us away, Mr. Bruce. <laughs>
All right, so you just heard Game Options 2, Halftime, Playoff Championship for FIFA Soccer 97, Golden Edition, and the composer was Kev Bruce. What an awesome soundtrack, right? What <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't have that Super Nintendo sound. It's really to dark. It. It's it's awesome. Like I I like just want to jam in my car to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and my first thought was, is this a Sega Genesis soundtrack? I mean, it, I, it, it really has does really sound that, like that, that Sega grungy, sound. Yeah, like, like that sound to it that that Genesis is known for. Not so much what Super Nintendo and is known the for. guitar riffs, just you know, wailing on the like the really high solos and stuff. It just it's a really good um, it's a really good rock and roll thing it doesn't really fit soccer that much but yeah it sounds pretty awesome well so. and it's also a perfect example of a game that's not that great that has amazing music like it's just a hidden gem that you know people may not have noticed the music when they were playing the game and just be like i hate this game i don't want to ever play it well there's a lot of people who liked it too so yeah. i mean it was even a recommendation like i said from a from a buddy of mine he said mm-hmm. he played you know the hell out of it so well i'm sure you don't have too many soccer games i'm sure he got one probably for christmas and then that's all he was stuck with that's what he was stuck with yeah so a little bit about the game the experience we had actually the game runs really really sluggish even on like original hardware you know Mm -hmm. it's not as nearly like fast paced like um like kickoff or the sensible soccer games um and it has this kind of choppiness to it and on the playstation version and the sega saturn version um they did polygons and Mm -hmm. That, you know, versus the sprite Sprites, yeah. stuff that they did for Super Nintendo. But it's still, to me, it was just a little a little bit choppy. Um, the game also has uh, indoor mode. So you can do, like, this kind of six-on-six player match with without throw-ins or anything. It has, like, the wall. So it's like oh, an okay. indoor or, like, foot arena kind of thing. So, um, But the hype on the game was that, what, that it had this kind of virtual stadium technology. Um, but it only found its way into the 32-bit consoles at the time. So the Super Nintendo and stuff didn't even get to experience that. Moving on to our next game on the list. Yeah, the next game on our lineup is Dino Dini Soccer. Uh, it was released in 1994 by Dino Dini and published by Virgin Games for the Sega Genesis Mega Drive. It was originally a port of the game Goal from the Amiga to the Sega Genesis. Um, It's pretty much the same game. It has a little better graphics and a new four-way play feature. It has an overhead view like most soccer games with the one goal at the top, one goal at the bottom. Unlike a lot of the soccer games of the time, Dino Dini's game actually depicted race of the different teams from around the world. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of neat. The composer for this game was Matt Furness. Which, oh, yeah, we just mentioned him in uh, the Sensible Soccer. Yeah, which he has a huge you know game library to his name and we're big uh matt Furness fans so. yeah i mean some of the games are like marble madness battle maniacs uh, mortal Kombat one and two robocop booger man a pick and flick adventure um, <laughs> and we all love pugsy and yeah he did pugsy no we don't um but anyways what do we have lined up um we have two tracks from dino dini soccer uh we have menu theme and game background music so let's take a listen to those and we'll be right back <laughs> We'll be right back. 
Once again, that was menu theme and game background music from Dino Dini's Soccer, composed by Matt Furness. I like those tracks a lot. They're they're really um, that first one's super jazzy. Has this cool like drum and bass. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a great track. I mean it really could be for any game. It doesn't it doesn't have like a soccer feel, but it still fits. I, I don't with know the how game. what the soccer feel is, but it does have that kind of crescendo, decrescendo kind of synth sound in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty mellow. Um, I I dig it. It's really cool. Um, the next track is uh, pretty cool too. That um, I noticed, uh, you know, when we were listening to it, like especially um, really paying attention. There's there's this one um, voice on there that is um, this crowd cheering kind of ambience in the background, and I guess it sets the tone. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It, it kind of it really gives you that feel when you're playing that you're in a big stadium like why people are watching you and cheering for you and stuff like right that, if i were cool. if i were to like hear this track like without without knowing that it's like you know from a soccer game or something like that um i'd probably wonder like what is that that background like kind of yeah. like noise but yeah because it, it has that yeah. like video game crowd sound where yeah. it's like it, that's not really what a crowd sounds no like, it's just it's, like some kind of like garbled noise yeah, going like a on bunch of noise going on at once yeah, yeah. so um Let's uh, go ahead and move on to uh, some of the facts about the game. The game is actually the 15th game in the series. Jesus. Um, so in th- that series started back in 1989 with the original kickoff. Right. So in, by 1994, they had already put out 15 games. So, I mean, that was that's a lot of games that they yeah. were and, working up in that series. And since we talked a little bit about Sensible Soccer and now Dino Dini in the kickoff series... Um, I kind of want to like backtrack a little bit and mention a little bit of their differences because the world was kind of split on, especially in Europe, was split on like what style you prefer more. And um, sensible soccer um, was like we said, like that more kind of arcadey, yeah, uh, really zoomed fast-paced. out, top down, kind of um, fast pace, less strategy. You could kick a ball and you yeah. could actually turn it in the air after you kicked it. Yeah, it was more action. Yeah, more action. Um, One-touch passing, and the ball also sticks to the players as they dribble around. Mm So you don't have to worry about, like, leading the ball and, like, you know, moving away from it. Yeah, you can make a sharp turn, and the ball is going to come with you. Right, whereas the kickoff series um, goal, Dino Dini, um, the ball didn't stick to your feet. And so you you had to really think about, with that ball being led uh, or leading, um, you know, like how are you going to maneuver your characters around? Uh, it didn't, that didn't really, you know, pan out the same, in the super Nintendo version, but also in the kickoff series, uh, player stats and tactics are really this huge, like play this really big role, you know? Yeah. I mean the, the whole, that whole series has much more of a realistic, uh, like a, it's very like calculated real, yeah. and, um, referees even have different moods. They may, you know, in one match have, you know, be making more yellow cards or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, you can get away with more fouls in one game, more, you know, kind of rough play and stuff. Both of them topped, you know, numerous gaming charts. And, um, you know, Dino Denny, the the creator of, you know, the kickoff series and goal and stuff, um, he was mastermind behind um, the gameplay and the mechanics. And it really became obvious why his games were so good in the series. Um, I was reading an article back from 2004 on Eurogamer where they interviewed him um, about the success of Kickoff 2 particularly and uh, why it was so popular. And he says uh, it's the fact that you were in control. Um, the game was designed to be a part or a sport in its own right. And there had been nothing really like it beforehand. 
So uh, before kickoff existed. Mm-hmm. And he brings up some really good points, though, um, especially with like these like monster like video game labels and stuff like that that you see today that are starting to trend more and more. And uh, let me read one of his responses real quick. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. So Eurogamer asked him, said, like, what do you feel about like games like, you know, Pro Evolution Soccer and the FIFA series and stuff like that? What do they fundamentally lack? And uh, what do your games do that theirs don't? And he says, uh, for me. There's no real feeling of being in control, of it being up to you. Anyone who has played football or soccer for real knows that the game is exciting because when you get a chance, you have to pull yourself together, focus in on that instant, and perform in action flawlessly in order to score unless you get lucky. It's why sports are so addictive. And he goes on to say, um, my game uh, will give you that feeling and it has this deep sense of satisfaction that when you score this really amazing goal that you know it came down to you. And I think that's really awesome because even though the game is challenging, once you once you really hone your skills and master it, it requires you to you know be on your top game and mm-hmm. perform well. It's really rewarding. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's obvious that uh, Dino Dini cared a lot about these games in this series, and he put a lot of effort into making them play the way that he felt people would enjoy and that that, that they would play best. And I mean, right. and we talked about how they were different. You know, there's all these other soccer games that are coming out, or other sports games where they're all kind of the same. And he wanted to do something that was different. And it's it's no wonder that uh, he wasn't happy with the Super Nintendo version of Dino Dini Soccer. Um, because when the game was brought to the Super Nintendo, they changed the mechanics. They made the ball stick to the player, and basically, so it was it was more like sensible soccer then. Yeah, it was basically a watered down version of his original vision. Right. When like creative control is taken away from people that um, kind of you know nurtured these games, it's easy to see how like that vision can change completely. Right. So, you know, we we talked a lot about the kickoff series and you know sensible soccer and i think it's about time to move on to the next uh the next game yeah so this is a game that's actually dear to my heart um when while i played this game every now and then i actually listened to the soundtrack a lot more it was one of those red book audio games so i was able to throw out my cd player and just like listen mm-hmm. and enjoy it and uh the game is called worldwide soccer sega international victory goal edition for sega saturn and it's the second game in the victory goal series So the game was published by Sega on April 11th of 1995 for the Sega Saturn, and it was composed by Jun Sanoe. This guy is amazing. Yeah, he's like a video game music god. And um, you can actually see his blog on uh, junsanoe.com. I'll I'll put that in the show notes. He was a member of Wavemaster, which is Sega's in-house like recording label, and they, Mm -hmm. they do a bunch of other stuff. They even release their own albums. And um, he plays in a band today, too, called Crush 40. And it's like this kind of metal rock stuff. And it's it's pretty good. I'm, I like it. He's worked with, like, big-name people like Mr. Big, Danger, Danger and uh, TNT, um, if you've heard of them. He's done soundtracks for, I mean, he has this huge number of soundtracks. But some of the notable ones are, like, Dark Wizard. Yeah, a ton of Sonic stuff. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic yeah. and Knuckles, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. The Dreamcast, so... Yeah, Adventure 1 and 2. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog 4 episode 1 and 2. Sonic Generations. I mean, Man, yeah, there's just tons. And stuff. all of his music is really good. Like I said, the, the music for this game is is amazing. And he really does a great job with the with the soundtrack. And it, it doesn't necessarily fit that soccer thing. But it, it does get you pumped up and get you going. And um, it also has some really, you know, good different. It sets a different mood for each, you know, track that he has in there. 
Um, the first uh, song that we're going to play is Rush for Goal. And uh, the next track is Everyone's a Hero. And these are both Red Book audio. So once again, June Sinoe.
right. So once again, that was Rush for Goal and Everyone's a Hero, composed by June Sinoe for Worldwide Soccer Sega International Victory Goal Edition. It's a long-winded name. Yeah. Man, awesome tracks. Yeah, I love it. Were, I love it. Those were definitely very unique, and uh, I think anyone that listens to them could have a great appreciation for video game music now. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And the first track, um, so actually the second track that you, that you listen to that, that really kind of everyone's a peace, hero. Yeah. That peaceful, um, guitar, like acoustic guitar. And they, they play this the kind of theme kind of over and over. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you listen to the first track again, you can kind of hear that, that tone, yeah. um, with like a, you know, guitar solo like kind of going riff, off you know, yeah. and they keep that, that, idea going throughout the the whole soundtrack i mean there's tons of great songs on this on this um game mm-hmm. and um, i just picked those two because you know they kind of showed the diversity of the game um but no like just really good music and when i was a kid i used to um put this um disc in my cd player and um i would just go through all the tracks and just leave it on repeat and it was funny because i started learning the guitar as a kid and i remember one thing that that I did was I, I grabbed, um, you know, picked up my guitar, I put this in the CD player and I sat there like play pause, play pause to learn everyone's hero. And I ended up like writing out the tab for it just so I could, you know, That's have awesome. it, have it written somewhere. Yeah. So, and I still remember to t- today, like how to play that song. Yeah. No, you've played it for me before. It's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny. Cause like I would play this, this song and like from some of my friends and stuff and be like, Oh man, what song is that? And I, I, I was too embarrassed to say like came from a Sega Saturn soccer game, but you know, like it, it, it's a good song. Yeah. Anyways, a little bit about the game, the panning side to side of the camera kind of zoom in and out on the players. You have this kind of side view and mm-hmm. the, you know, the goals are right and left. It's actually, it's actually a pretty good game. There's still sprite based characters and they later turned to polygons when they went to um, worldwide soccer 97. Mm-hmm. So just, a little bit later on, then they they changed that feel up a little bit. But um, the field seems really big, and um, you know, in comparison to the player size, and it works real well. And the game is actually really fun. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't put a lot of time into it, but I did play it as you know, as a kid, and I had a good time with it. That's great. Yeah, it didn't feel cramped at all. Anyways, James, what do you have uh, lined up for us next? Uh, next, we're going to go back to a, a handheld with a Nintendo World Cup for the Game Boy. Awesome. The game was released in June of 1991, developed by Technos Japan, and published in Japan by Technos and by Nintendo in the U.S. It's also known as Niketsu High School Dodgeball Club Soccer. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a kind of an odd title. But well, uh, you know, they like to make their keep their names short and concise in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um, the composer is Kazuo Sawa. And he has a huge list of amazing games. Very heavy hitter. Um, Super Dodgeball for the arcade and Nintendo. Uh, He has River City Ransom, Double Dragons 2 for the Game Boy, X-Men Mutant Wars. I mean, the the list just goes on. Um, Very talented individual. Yes, uh, very talented. I have two tracks from this game, Final Match Theme and Choose Your Team from Nintendo World Cup. Thank you. 
once again, that was Final Match Theme and Choose Your Team, composed by Kazuo Sawa for Nintendo World Cup for the Game Boy. Uh, that first track uh, really has that Double Dragon feel to it. I really dig it. Once it starts going, it just oh, it pumps me up. Yeah, you kind of don't really expect it after those first couple seconds of the song. Like, oh, this is cool. And then it really picks up and kind of hits you in the face. And I was completely blown away. And I this was one of my first choices of a track to go into this episode yeah i know it's it's the i listened to the whole soundtrack a few times and I, I just i wish we could you know we had more time to put in more more of the the game boy tracks but no the the game is actually part of the kunio series of games and that was created originally by yoshihisa uh, kishimoto who did double dragon but then later it moved on to um two other guys who were most responsible um for the kunio series and that's uh, Mitsu Hiro uh, Yoshida and Hiroyuki Sekimoto. And they did things like Renegade, River City Ransom, Super Dodgeball, Crash and the Boys. All the all the Kunio games. And they're uh, very well-known games for having like these kind of short, stocky players. Um, the power moves. There's not a lot of, you know, quick movements on the screen. But then you get these explosions of like, you know, energy, like power moves, like hitting other players very physical yeah yeah game. I mean, it, it, it takes the game of soccer and turns it into something physical like kicking the ball into people's faces and doing the flipping back kicks like as your super moves and that's what i loved about super dodgeball um when it when i actually got super dodgeball uh, for the game boy advance um that, and that recently came out on virtual console right yeah and uh, i believe so did river city ransom awesome so i mean you have no uh choice but to pick those up now. yeah Anyways, um, they're excellent games, and if you you know do decide to pick them up, it'll give you kind of a good insight into the series. Um, that moves us on to our next game, Virtuous Striker 2. Uh, this was published by Sega and developed for Sega AM2 in the arcade, specifically the Sega Model 3 hardware, and released in 1997. Uh, because of its popularity at the time, it was actually released four different times, and they kept making these improvements mm-hmm. and stuff on the you know visuals and the gameplay and stuff. And then version 2000 was released on the Dreamcast and uh, Naomi Baseboards. Um, the composer for this is Hideaki Miyamoto. And uh, he did Burning Rival for the arcade and Virtua Cop 2 for the arcade and Saturn. Let's see, Virtual Fighter 4, Yakuza 4. And um, I found out he did some uh, sound effects and stuff for Shenmue 1 and 2 as well. Nice. Yeah, so the block of tracks that we're going to play is uh, there's two tracks and it's name entry and instruction and once again this is Hideaki Miyamoto
So once again, you heard name entry and instruction, and this is for Virtuous Striker 2, uh, released in 97 for the arcade, and the composer is Hideaki Miyamoto. It's funny, with all the places that you could pick a song from the game, that the, these two awesome tracks come from I, the I simplest know. things I, like entering your name and figuring out what buttons do what for the game. And, and I mean, these tracks are great. Yeah, I know. When I was I was going through the the whole soundtrack and I was like, oh, man, which ones do I, I want to put in the episode? And, you know, I, I heard this and I didn't even look at the name yet. And uh, I was like, oh, man, it's the instruction screen. All right. Awesome. Let's put that yeah. in there. And then I, I kept listening to it and listening to more tracks. And the next one that popped up was, you know, um, name entry. And the most self-explanatory tracks, you know, in the in the album. So yeah, that first that first track actually sounded like it could be part of like Wave Race sixty four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded really like you know like Dolphin Beach. Here you yeah, go, super mellow. Dolphin like, Park. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool, and the, the gameplay is pretty fluid, and um, it's good. I mean, it works really well um, as an arcade game. Um, I have I have a lot of fun with this game. I, I remember in Japan like seeing like everywhere like there was even in every arcade there was at least like 10 to 20 machines and um this was the successor to virtual soccer and in comparison there's this huge jumping gameplay and graphics because virtual soccer one actually ran on sega model 2 hardware which was from 1994 it was you know totally different from the model 3 hardware which they released only a few years later in 1996 it's not exactly like comparing like 16-bit and 32-bit hardware, but it was this really significant jump. I mean, like tons more texturing and higher polygon count and all that stuff. And it made the players look and feel more lifelike for the time. Um, the game was hugely popular, and I'm, and I'm glad that you know I actually got to play it in the arcades. And I'm sure if you can still find an arcade around... This game is probably still in there somewhere waiting for you collecting dust. Yeah, yeah. no, it, Waiting for your quarters. All right, for the next game, we're actually going to head back over to the Super Nintendo with a game called Super Soccer, also known as uh, Super Formation Soccer in Japan. The game was released in May of 92 by a company called Human Entertainment, but published here in the States by Nintendo. Um, It was originally a PC Engine game called Formation Soccer, and when they brought it over here to the Super Nintendo and the Super Famicom, they decided that they wanted to add Super to the beginning of the title. It's kind of like they were doing with everything else. Yeah, you know, much. at the time, every port that came over to uh, Super NES, they just added, they tacked on Super to the front of it, and yeah, and there you go, new game. All right, the composers are Hiroya Niwayama, Hironori Tanaka, Tetsuji Otani, and Masamichi Yamazaki. From this game, we have four tracks lined up. We have Title. Germany, Lost Tournament, and Belgium. And all these songs are from the Super Soccer game for Super Nintendo.
All right, so you just heard title, Germany, lost tournament, and Belgium. And these are all from Super Soccer for Super Nintendo. Composed by Hiroya Niwayama, Hironori Tanaka, Tetsuji Otani, and Masamichi Yamazaki. Right off the bat, as soon as you put this game in on that title screen, it really kind of gets you ready to go, like really excited about this game. You no, just I love in. it. I love it. A lot of good memories there. That track Germany, I especially have a ton of memories with because we always fought over who would be Germany mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah, like, I, remember, right? I remember when we were setting up this episode, you had talked about how much you really liked that track. And, and when I played it, it, it really reminded me a lot of... Uh, um, like Ninja Turtles, like maybe like the the surfing level with like once it starts to like, get in, in the there sewers with that high and pitch. stuff yeah, like that. Oh yeah. yeah, no, it's really cool. I like it a lot. Lost tournament, it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that that's you know after you you lose a, a match, they, they kind of have to bring something and they can't just pump you back up. So. Yeah, it still ha- it still kind of has that uh, like exciting sound to it, but it definitely has a little bit more of a sad sound, which. Uh, reminded me of a little bit of um like a sonic the hedgehog feel a little bit but it was it was another track that i kind of stumbled upon towards the end of the album and and i was like oh i really really like this but this game was really hard to narrow it down and i mean so that's why you see that there's four tracks in here yeah no i have to say that belgium is actually my favorite track probably out of all of them it's super high paced that you know guitar like in the background just like chomping away at chords it's yeah it's really cool yeah. Um, um, another thing that I thought was was really cool in this game was uh, they had a really interesting feature towards the end. So if you if you got into a uh, tournament mode and you beat all the national teams, you weren't done yet. You still had one team left. And uh, in here in the states, you fought Team Nintendo, um, and in Japan, you fought Team <laughs> That's Human. Awesome. So it was kind of like the the company they made it so that they were the final boss which or the final yeah it's like know, a final boss yeah yeah so it was, i thought that was kind of neat another thing they did kind of different in the game is that uh it's the field of view is different and they they use mode seven for this so it kind of scrolls back and forth you know where the players are uh, whoever's in control of the mm-hmm. ball the goal on the player side is you know down at the bottom and you know the opposing side is on on the top but you kind of get this 3d effect with that So the Super Nintendo actually had no dedicated 3D support. What it did have was eight different ways or modes for displaying this background layer. And mode seven is really just a 2D plane with like textures mapped to it that could kind of scale and rotate, giving you that 3D effect like any other background that you'd see in a game. But really with that kind of scaling perspective and plane that, you know, is drawing, um, it creates this really unique effect. Yeah, I mean, you can really see this in games like Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, Mario Kart, F-Zero, uh, Zelda, Link to the Past. There's probably a whole bunch more that I yeah. can't really think of right now. But uh, really, the Genesis, it didn't have a video mode like this, and it wasn't able to do anything similar. So it, this was something that was very unique to Super Nintendo. I think the Sega CD actually was the first adaptation that Sega had for this kind of mode. So anyways, I had a lot of good memories with this game. And it brings me back actually to summers as a kid because we would spend all day outside at the pool. It was really hot where I grew up and, you know, be in the pool all day long, totally exhausted, get out, put on our towels, sit in a beanbag and we would play this game. It was my, uh, my friend Dusty, my best friend at the time, we would just spend like all day playing this game. And this is back when kids actually used to play outside, right? Yeah. So, which they don't do anymore. Anyways, so we would play this game like all the time and we'd always fight over like i mentioned earlier germany because if you look at the stats in the game like when you pick your country that you want to play as 
they're all based on these meters. And I think there's like four or five meters, mm-hmm. like accuracy, speed, stamina, all this stuff. And um, Germany was always like the strongest one. I mean, even as kids, like dumb kids, we we knew like obviously like, wow, the, these stats are way better than every other team. Right. And if you, when you look at some of the stats for some of the teams, it's ridiculous. Ridiculously like, like I low. Think, I think yeah, like it's... Japan was like, why would you ever play as Japan yeah, well, if you looked at the stats? Like right. they were just so poor in every category. Yeah, so what was cool is we would play two-player, and we'd be on the same team, and we'd kind of face off and try to do... We never actually made it through a whole tournament because they were so long, and, mm-hmm. you know, by then, you know, I had to go home or, you know, we had to eat dinner or something, you know, by then. But, no, I had a really good memory of this as a kid, so... That's awesome. Unfortunately, I never played any of these games <laughs> as a kid, but uh, um, actually, let's uh, keep moving along to our next game. Um, what do we have we have Captain Tsubasa Volume 2 Super Striker for the Famicom, released in 1990. The game was published by Tecmo, and it's a shame because it never actually came here to the States. It's the second game in the Captain Tsubasa series, and it takes this really cool cinematic approach to playing more like an RPG does. And it has like this very similar kind of menu system with stats for the characters and you know players level up after games are won, which is really cool. Uh, for the composers, we have Keiji Yamagishi. And he did stuff for Ninja Gaiden 1 and 3 for the NES and Tecmo Baseball and some of the other Tecmo sports. Um, We also have Mayuko Okamura, and she was one of the composers for Ninja Gaiden 2 and Bad News Baseball. And lastly, we have Mikio Saito, who did Gemini Wing in the arcade and also worked on Castlevania Rondo of Blood for PC Engine. Awesome. Um, We have four tracks lined up. We have Opening, Opposing Team Flamenco, Opposing Team Toho High School, and Last Scene. And these are all from Captain Tsubasa Volume 2 Super Striker for the Famicom.
All right, so the tracks you just heard were Opening, Opposing Team Flamenco, Opposing Team Toho High School, and Last Scene from Captain Tsubasa Volume 2, Super Striker for the Famicom. Uh, the composers were Keiji Yamagishi, Mayuko Okamura, and Mikio Saito. What a great block of tracks. I oh, mean, those I know. were all super good. It was so hard narrowing down. I mean, from the, the whole game, just you know, picking four uh, was really difficult. Yeah, I mean, from all the games that we've picked, this was one that had a, a very large number of songs in its uh, album. This is definitely the, the game probably on the list, uh, the only game on the list that I had no knowledge of. And it was just such a gem to find, such mm-hmm. an amazing soundtrack. I mean, I listened to this album so many times. Um, it's just really cool. You can really hear that kind of Ninja Gaiden style that, you know, the the composers are kind of putting out there. You can really hear that kind of resonate through all the tracks and it just it's a jam. It's awesome. Yeah. And when you couple it with a unique gameplay for a sports game that, you know, plays more like an RPG, it was a completely unique experience. And it was something that I was really blown away by that I, I really want to play some more of these games. And yeah, I- the anime was huge in Japan, and I'm sure that they really took that anime and put that kind of into the game to yeah. make it like a playable version of the cartoon right so no it's just it's really cool i got a lot of Mega Man out of that a lot of other tracks that uh remind me of you know ninja gaiden back in the day on the nes so yeah i mean this is a series that i would love to see brought to the u.s and you know english and and all that and just sit there and play that i would play all these games probably. now there was a patch actually released an english patch but you have to play it on an emulator so mm-hmm. you know Go ahead and find that, you know, if you guys are listening, you know, give it a shot and let us know what you think in the comments. A little bit about the game. When the game first starts, you have this meeting with a coach and you have an opportunity to kind of customize your players, um, like who's starting and who's sitting on the bench, as well as like the formation and defense strategy. And also you can view your team stats. Um, When the match starts, the top half of the screen shows this kind of cinematic parts, like this anime style, you know, kind of intros and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was really, really cool. With action, really yeah. That. And the bottom portion actually displays the game time, the score, the field with all the players and their positions. And they kind of move around in real time as you make your choices. So it's really, really cool because you get to like think about your judgments, you know, on each different move. So it's really, it's really rad. When the players on the field have the ball, this kind of animation starts on that top screen, right? So eventually, as you start running around more, your stamina drops. And, you know, the more it drops, the the less likely you are to pull off certain techniques and stuff. So it's really cool. Like, so for example, if you're on offense, you can, you know, choose to pass or shoot the ball. And sometimes the player will have like a special move. If you decide to pass, you'll get like this cursor on the screen. And then um, you can select when, you know, what player is going to receive that ball. And the opposing team can block and tackle and all that stuff throughout the game as well, like while you're making these choices. So when the other team has the ball, the music changes to their song. So that's where you hear like, you know, opposing team, Toho High School and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a great game. Want to play it more? Yeah, same here. Well, I think that about wraps up our show. We covered, what, nine games? Yeah, we went a little bit longer than uh, we originally planned, but uh, we had some great games and music, and really there's so many more that we could have added to this episode. Yeah, maybe in another four years we can do another one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, to quickly recap what we went over today, we did Sensible Soccer, Neo Geo Cup 98 Plus Color, FIFA Soccer 97 Gold Edition, Dino Dini Soccer. Uh, Worldwide Soccer, Sega International, Victory Goal Edition, uh, Nintendo World Cup, Virtual Striker 2, Super Soccer, and uh, Captain Tsubasa Volume 2, Super Striker. Yeah, so a 
ton of different games today, a bunch of different platforms, and they're all pretty unique in their own way. If you could, you know, recommend one of these games or, you know, just pick your favorite from the stuff that we did today, which one would it be? Um, that's kind of a tough one. Uh, right off the bat, I really liked uh, Sensible Soccer and uh, Neo Geo Cup. Um, but I really would like to spend a little bit more time with with games like uh, Nintendo World Cup and maybe an English version of Captain Tsubasa. Um, what about you? I, you know, I'd have to say Sensible Soccer for sure. Um, I really love like the idea of kickoff and it's like this deep layer of like strategy that it needs, but... I can't really see myself investing the time to play it at that level, you know, mm-hmm. to be really competitive. Yeah. Uh, Virtual Striker 2, hmm, I, I played a bunch, so I guess purely like nostalgic reasons, but I guess I'd uh, recommend Super Soccer just because I had the best memories with that game. Captain Tsubasa, obviously, I, I want to play now, but um, yeah, no, uh, that would probably be it, Super Soccer. Yeah, no, it's tough to, to narrow it down. But uh, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can visit us online at pixelatedaudio.com where we'll have a full track list of all the music we played here today, plus our show notes. If there's any games that stuck out in your guys' minds or in your childhoods that that we didn't talk about and you'd love to hear, we'd love to hear any comments or feedback you guys might have. Yeah, no, definitely. Or any suggestions you guys have for future episodes too. That'd be great. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pixelated Audio, and we would really appreciate if you rated us and left us a review on iTunes. Yeah, those reviews are great for us. Um, so anyway, we'd normally leave you with an OC Remix track, but recently they did a whole World Cup tribute album that's available for download on their website. Yeah, and it's, it's really good, so definitely check that out. Anyways, instead what we're going to do is we're going to play a track from AWS ProMove Soccer for the Sega Genesis Mega Drive, released in 1993, just because it's so damn good and we didn't want to leave it out. Um, the composer is the famous Jesper Kid, and we, we're really big fans of his. So. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite composers. He did things like Assassin's Creed, Borderlands 1 and 2, uh, the Hitman series. Freedom Fighters, and just a ton more amazing things. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I can't wait to do a Jesper Kid episode. Yeah, no, so this is actually his first uh, game on the Genesis, and he used a custom sound driver that was developed by his company, uh, Xerinx. The title of the track is simply AWS Pro Move Soccer. Thanks again for listening, and look out for the next episode. <laughs>